Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Direct Sales Mastery. It's me, your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger, and I am here with Fitz Kohler. If you haven't heard of Fitz Kohler, that means you're probably not in the world of running. But if you have heard of her, you are probably someone who maybe participated in one of the races that she has announced. Fitz Kohler is one of the most prominent and compelling fitness experts and race announcers in America. As the voice of the Los Angeles Marathon, Philadelphia Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, DC Wonder Woman Run Series, and so many more, she brings big structure energy, and joy to the sport. She's passionate about guiding others to live better and longer through her company, Fitness. I love that. That's so fun. That's a great play on words, uh, play on your name. She has appeared on national media outlets and worked with corporations like Disney, Tropicana, Oakley, and Office Depot. Fitz has also inspired millions of kids to get active through her successful school running and walking program called the Morning Mile. Fitz enjoys water sports, strength training, animals, hugs, sarcasm, and travel, uh, which, you know, unfortunately, none of us are doing too much of right now, but hopefully, fingers crossed, that will be returning to the norm soon. She lives in Gainesville, Florida with her husband and two kids. So welcome to the show, Fitz. Thank you, Jenny. And hi to all of our BDSM crew. Oh my gosh, this, you're already killing it, man. (laughs) I love this. I can see why you're one of the, one of the most compelling fitness and race announcers out there is you've already, you've already killed it coming out of the gate by welcoming the, the listener in. I love that. I love that. So tell us a little bit about how you got into race and race announcing So, uh, fitness expert and a sport performance expert. So I have spent my entire career doing a lot of speaking engagements, mostly corporate, but tons to athletes, professional, amateur, collegiate sports camps and so forth. And so I was actually at run Disney. They have the endurance series, uh, with the princess half marathon and Disney marathon, et cetera, et cetera. And so Disney was bringing me in on a regular basis to teach clinics for their runners. So throughout the weekend, not only do the athletes participate in the races, but they go shopping at the expo. And then we had a speaker series available. So I was uh, speaking and I think teaching my strength training for runners clinics or weight management for runners. But the Disney race announcer, Rudy Novotny, and he's got a big voice and big charisma And I was a huge fan of his. I just love being an athlete in his uh, corrals. But he was introducing me during the speaker series. And he kept saying, wow, you killed it. That was an incredible presentation, blah, blah, blah. And then he kept saying, you know, we have a lot of people who come on stage and talk, but you're our only real speaker. You're the only one who really talks to the audience and gets them up and blah, blah, blah. So he kept saying that. And finally, I said, Rudy, thank you so much for the constant uh, praise, but I don't know what to do with this anymore. He goes, you know what? 
I know what to do with it. I have a race in California, the OC marathon in a few months. I need a co-announcer. It's a huge event. Are you interested? And I said, well, I've never done this before, but I sure would love to give it a try. And so he connected me with that race director who, after a short phone conversation, hired me. Uh, Rudy showed me the ropes. And then I found myself working with Rudy for a little while the morning of the marathon and half marathon. Mind you, I think we had just under 20,000 people that morning. Wow. And uh, Rudy yelled go, launched the marathon. And then we launched the first wave of the half marathon together. Since it's such a big event, we break them up into smaller groups. Uh, so the course doesn't get crowded, but anyways, he yells go. And then he says, okay, bye. And he had to go get in a car and drive over to the finish line. And he left me alone there with about, I don't know, 15,000 people. And I've spent my entire career managing mass audiences, but this was a little bit different. So I, I, I had about a half a second of a pause thinking, oh crap, what did I get myself into? And then I turned around and I let her rip. And I tell you what, those 15,000 people and I became best friends in a heartbeat. We had so much fun and, you know, every wave that came through became more fun and more fun. And I truly did fit like a glove, but I drove over to the finish line after our final athlete had crossed the start. And within about an hour of the first time I yelled go, the race director came over and said, hey, can we hire you back next year? Would you please come back? And obviously I said, absolutely, because the work was just so fun and so rewarding. And within just a few months, I had a, I was booked for another handful of an, events. And since then, I mean, I truly believe I have the best schedule of any race announcer on the planet. I've got the biggest, the best. I mean, the combination of the events I host are so special, including the DC Wonder Woman run. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, I get five to 10,000 athletes show up almost all dressed like Wonder Woman and they show up so festive and happy. And it's just my job to provide structure, get them welcomed, engaged, informed, and entertained. I really just get to be the ringleader of the party. It's amazing. That it sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, just seriously thinking about the number of women dressed up like Wonder Woman, <laughs> like gave me and goosebumps, men. right? Yep. Gave me goosebumps because it just, it sounds like an incredibly empowering event to, to participate in something like that. Yeah. You know what? It is very special. And, and while i I'm proud to be a woman. I fully support women. I also fully support men. You know, I'm just yeah. one of those people who chooses the individual. But what I find is that often in real life, women aren't necessarily so nice to each other. You know, mm -hmm. we have a bad reputation for backstabbing and some of it is really earned. But on race day, when I host some of these women themed events, it's magical because it doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in, none of those, nothing matters. And women are just so supportive of each other. There's no cattiness. There's no competition. It's just love and fun. And, you know, if you show up to the race and you are someone who's severely out of shape or overweight, well, all of a sudden you're the most popular person at our entire event, because everyone gathers around to lift you up and make sure you feel comfortable and excited and welcome through the finish line. It really, it's incredible. And then, and then from my point of view, because my stages are usually elevated above the crowd, 
uh, you know, many races, people showed up, show up dressed in whatever, but at Wonder Woman, almost everybody is in that red and royal blue with a little bit of bling. And it's just visually spectacular. It's so beautiful. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. That is so super cool. So already just a few minutes into the interview, you've already brought up some really great concepts. So first of all, stepping out, saying yes to an opportunity and stepping outside of your comfort zone, even if you don't know what you're doing. When you were invited to go co-host a race and you had never done it before, you were like, hmm, okay, let's do it. Yep. Right. I mean, one of the very first interviews I ever did on the podcast was titled Stop Saying No to Opportunity, right? If you want to grow in life, you can't say no to an opportunity, right? It's all of us grow best when we're outside of our comfort zone. So I think that right there, concept number one, fantabulous to share and, and get us going right out of the gate. Second thing that I heard in there was the the level of empowerment, which I do have to say um, shows up really well in the world of direct sales. We are a whole lot of women. Uh, 76% of direct sales and network marketing professionals are women. And I do find that there is a big sisterhood. Now, are there some people out there who are super competitive and don't necessarily buy into the community? Unfortunately, yes, that's true. But I'd say a vast majority of the people are empowering one another, helping and supporting one another, even if they are quote unquote competitors. And so I absolutely uh, love that that shows up in the world of racing, especially at the Wonder Woman series, because that's something that I see happen really often here in the direct sales uh, community as well. Yeah. You know, and I'm of the attitude that we can all win. Yeah. <laughs> There's a path for us all to be successful. And, you know, on the rare occasion, we confront someone who's not so kind. I mean, I have been dismissed or had opposition professionally a handful of times and every last one of them were from other women, you know, and I, I find those women, they, they never succeed based off of bad behavior. They never get ahead. They just, you know, flounder around dragging people down and it's just not not a way to build success. You don't become successful by doing harm to others. And uh, yeah, we, we all can win. And, you know, in the field of fitness, I don't do personal training anymore, but when I used to, I never once felt an ounce of competition with another trainer because everyone can use fitness guidance, right? So mm -hmm. if they're good and I'm good, I decided there was clients enough for all of us. And um, I imagine within your audiences spectrum of direct sales, whether they're selling clothing items or candles or business products or kitchenware, there's a whole bunch of kitchens and a whole bunch of people who need clothing and so forth. So you can compete kindly and we can all be successful. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I can't even remember where I heard it, but you know, once again, connect the, the racing and, and the running your own business, right? People who succeed in races are not looking over their shoulder, checking out where their competitors are. The people who are winning are running their own race. They are looking forward, looking at the finish line and looking past the finish line and aiming past the finish line. They're not checking around to see, you know, where their competitors are because frankly, they don't care. Well, that's right. And here's the other fine comparison within 
racing and running your own business is, yeah, we do have a, f- a few people who are striving to win the actual race, but then we have a great majority of people out there to beat their own personal record. And so they're not necessarily competing against the Kenyan guy up in front. They're right. competing against the best they've personally ever done in the past. And what a great gauge to hold yourself up to. You know, right now I'm recovering from breast cancer and I'm not trying to be as strong as, you know, our Olympic gymnasts right now. I'm trying to get back to being that really strong version of Fitz Kohler. And so within the racing community, yeah, some people are trying to win. Some people are just trying to beat themselves. And then some people are just trying to finish it and all of it counts. Absolutely. I work with my clients regularly to to set their their sales and their team goals. And one of the things that we're always focused on is what what has been your personal best so far? And can we take it just a little bit further? Exactly. It's been phenomenal. So now since you brought it up, I did get the opportunity to start reading your book and I'm going to finish it by the end of this weekend because I could not, I had to force myself to stop reading so that we could jump on the interview because I was enjoying it so much. You, you have such a great voice that I really connected with because I hadn't talked to you before we booked the interview. Correct. So I had no idea who you were, but as soon as I started reading your book, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is someone I could be friends with, you know? And so I love your book. So let's tell the audience what's the book and let's dive into that story just a little bit. All right. So the book is called My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Running at the Mouth While Running for My Life. And it is a memoir of my 16-month battle with breast cancer. And uh, I wrote the book for two reasons. Number one, as I was going through it, and um, I can say that I I did the triathlon of cancer care. I did <laughs> 15 solid months of chemo, which the first five months were apparently the most toxic combination of drugs they give anybody. Wow. And then uh, 33 rounds of radiation, and I had a couple surgeries. Lumpectomy, not full mastectomy. Lucky me. Um, but yeah, so as I started being, tr- well... I'm going to back up again, if you don't mind. I had a clean mammogram December 2018. Less than seven weeks after that clean mammogram, I was rubbing my under boob at a hotel bathroom in Disney World, and I found my lump. And since you do have a mostly female audience, I want every last one of them to take their hands, put it in their shirts right now, and squeeze their stuff, because this moment truly saved my life. Within seven weeks, I had a sizey tumor that did not exist in December. I also had at least three infected lymph nodes. If I had decided to ignore that lump or delay, Google it, call my mom, cry to my friends, I may not be here today. You might be talking about me instead of talking to me. It was of the utmost importance that I picked up my phone instantly while I was in that bathroom and I called my doctor to report it. Within a few days, I had that appointment. A few days later, I had a new mammogram, an ultrasound, found the lumps. Next day, biopsy. Within a few days, I was diagnosed. And about a week later, I started chemo. So holy crap. Talk about a whirlwind. (laughs) Yes. The, uh, like a tornado. It was, it was insane. But, um, you know, I, I'm someone who proactively goes and gets these annual exams of all sorts, pap smear, eye exam, you name it. I want to know. And, um, I, I was, I did not have breast cancer in December of 2018, but there's a good chance the second I got out to my car, that one's 
cell went rogue. And so everyone needs to do the annual exams, but then you also have to be proactive on your own behalf. It's your body. You should touch it. You should look at it. Doctors don't creep into your beds at night, lift, lift up the sheets and look around. You know, you have to bring your body in for a checkup and then you also need to report those red flags. So thankfully I did. And, you know, I started on that triathlon of cancer care, but the reason I wrote the book was for a few reasons. First of all, when chemo kicked in, that was my first form of treatment and it really was a brutal experience. And, you know, people tell you, oh, when you have chemo, you're going to feel, you might feel sick. You might feel tired. You probably will be bald. And I was all of those things. And, you know, all of those things in themselves have many stories to tell, but there was all these little details that nobody, nobody shares. And I kept thinking, oh my God, this is so weird. Why, why didn't anyone warn me this was going to happen? You know, I had all of this avalanche of side effects and I find that nobody talks about it. And then at some point, those side effects became so plentiful and so bizarre that I thought, holy hell, this is really funny. I think people will get a solid laugh out of this. And then I started kind of the wheels were spinning about either a book. It might've been just an article, but I thought people just have to know this. And then, you know, I decided from the get-go, I was not giving up time with my kids. I have two teenagers that I adore. And the other thing I was not giving up was my career. I adore what I do professionally. And I earn my rightful spot on those stages, those coveted roles and I was not giving them up. And so right before my diet, well, before I started chemo, I had to make this little public video sharing the news and I, I would have kept it private, but, <laughs> but I was going to show up on stages bald very yeah. shortly. And I thought, well, people are going to ask. So I make a little video. It's still on my social media channels. It's called, I have breast cancer on, on fitness on Facebook and Instagram and so forth. But I, uh, I actually look into the camera and say, listen, I got breast cancer, but I'm going to be fine. I'm going to do chemo radiation surgery. I'm going to be fine. I do not want pity. You can root for me, but just know that I'm going to be okay. And I'm not missing my work. I am going to show up and I am going to perform as expected. So I say this well in advance of the first drop of poison dripped into my chest and then, and then reality kicks in and I think, oh crap. <laughs> Yeah. What did I just sign myself up this for? <laughs> yeah. But I still wanted to be at those events because I knew if I were at home during the Los Angeles marathon, missing out on all of that wonderfulness, I would have cried all weekend. So, so we got creative and I, I would do IV fluids every day at home in Gainesville. And then I'd get on a plane and I'd get off the plane and go straight into another medical facility for IV fluids. Or my race directors would have nurses show up at my hotel to give me fluids, to keep me upright. I mean, we took all of these different crazy measures. But yeah, so I wrote the book because I thought the side effects were crazy. Nobody tells you the truth. If you look on Amazon, all the other books are so dark and dreary and scary. Yeah. I thought cancer can be funny. And I know this because I'm going through it. And only if you have the street cred of being a cancer patient, can you make fun of being a cancer patient? So yeah. I took that liberty. And then the other thing is because I had this mental strength, because I love what I do, you know, I talk a lot about perspective. You know, I never had a pity party because I knew that I wasn't a kid with cancer, which would be way worse. And, and, mm -hmm. 
even worse than that is it wasn't my kid with cancer. So I never had the pity party. I never thought why me. I know there's always someone who had it worse. And so I, I carried that with me. I also truly benefited from time with my kids, time with my athletes, you know, those not giving up those things really, really benefited me greatly. And last but not least, you know, I chose to be positive. And so that doesn't mean I didn't cry. I cried all the time. I cried alone in my bathroom. I cried alone in my car. I would, I was a little bit of a basket case, but I also took the time to laugh when something was funny. You know, again, you just don't get extra points for being the saddest character in the room. And I knew there was no benefit to that. So, you know, I, I took those moments to be joyful and happy when I could. And, and I truly believe that if I was not curable, maybe I'd be dying today on the timeline, right? I would hope that I would fill my room with joy, with the music that I love, with my family holding my hand, with my dog on my lap. You know, we, we get to make some choices and I'm, I'm going to choose a joyful um, decision every time, even in the darkest of circumstances. I absolutely love that. It, you know, it shows the power of number one, making the decision. I'm not going to give up on the things that I love, my family yep. and this job that I love. And then secondly, putting it out there because that does a couple things for somebody, right? First of all, it holds you accountable. You said you were going to be there and you told the whole freaking world. Yep. Right. Yep. Second thing it does is just personally says, well, okay, I'm looking forward to these things. I said I was going to do it. So now I'm going to do it. So there's the public accountability. And then there's the personal accountability that comes with that to be able to say, you know, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this thing. And so it allows you to push through some of those things that might have given you pause in any other situation. Absolutely. And, you know, what a great gift it was to be able to be myself for those chunks of time when I was on a stage. I mean, yes, I, I used to have long, blonde, fabulous hair. And then all of a sudden I was bald and I was bald on a stage and gray. And who wants to be bald and gray on a stage? Not me, but there I was, you know, doing my best being Fitz Kohler. And what I found is no matter what was going on with me physically, I mean, there were many nights I spent lying on the hotel bathroom floor. And, you know, I could question, we could all have a big conversation about why in the world the hotel ba or any bathroom floor feels great when you're sick. Such a weird, weird thing. But right? I, I'd sleep on the bathroom floor and my alarm would go off at, you know, 3.30 a.m. And I would get up and I would put on my running tights and my sneakers. And mind you, I wasn't running the races. I was only hosting them, but I would get on my stages. And then no matter how sick I was, no matter what was growing on, the second I stepped on those stages, it was almost like someone flipped an on switch. All of my aches and pains disappeared mostly, and I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again. And it was just extraordinary. And uh, I feel sad for people who don't have something they love so much in their life. And if you're someone thinking, oh man, I don't have anything I love that much in my life, well then go find it, figure it out and get it because it will make the difference. It's one thing to be fine in easy times, but it's a completely different beast when you get hit by the bus or you get diagnosed with an illness. So you got to be prepared. You got to have the good stuff on the ready. Absolutely. And those, again, it, it all comes down to, you know, what you knew that when you got on that stage, it was the 
best possible distraction you could possibly have given what was going on in life, you know, and any of us who are in the performance place, right? Somebody who's used to either getting literally getting on a stage and doing any sort of acting, whether it was high school, college, whatever you do, community theater, you know what it's like to literally flip that internal switch, become that person, that character, right? To be able to provide a level of, in your case, distraction for yourself from what was going on in the world and being who they all needed you to be in that moment. And and you know what, Jenny, this is so relatable to uh, your audience, because the second someone calls that may want to b- learn about your products or buy something, you need to flip that on switch. You need to be on. And it's not just, you know, if you've got cancer, you need to turn on. You could be having a crappy day. Your kids could be fighting. You could have all this stuff going on. You could have just gotten a car accident. But when that customer calls, man, you better answer that phone with a smile because nobody wants to hear about your hard day. They want to know how great your product or service is and they want to give you money. So turn it on. It's all very relatable. Oh my gosh. Amen. Like this just takes me back as you were talking about all of that. This takes me back. I I don't know how many of you ever experienced this growing up. Your mom would be yelling at you. The phone would ring and she'd answer the phone. Hi there. That's right. Residents. (laughs) And you're like, wait, what? You just went from yelling at me like I was a demon shot. Like, and then guess what I found happening as a grown up? I was doing the same thing. So you all know that ability exists inside of you. If you've ever been one of those moms who was in the middle of yelling at your kids for something and you answered the phone, do the same thing for your customer. That's right. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. No mom ever wanted to be seen as someone who was in the middle of yelling at her kids. And so she answered the phone in her, in her phone voice, right? That's right. And you know what? I don't think Debbie Downer makes any sales, right? Like maybe her mom buys something from her, but people don't want to come hang out with Debbie Downer. And, you know, in my neck of the woods, if I were standing on those stage and I told 20,000 people, Hey guys, I had a really rough night and my bald head is cold and I feel bad. That wouldn't have livened the party at all. That wouldn't have pumped them up for running. And the same probably would go um, if I were selling some sort of products or services locally, people would just stop, start avoiding me if I was a Debbie Downer. No kidding. Absolutely. So in terms of, because I'm looking through uh, your information here, I see that you are being super generous and offering your audio book to everybody. Um, what I wanted to do is before we forget, I want to make sure people know how to get um, a copy of your audio book. Where can they go in order to get that? Well, they have to buy the audio book. Oh, they buy the audiobook. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so it's all, it's a product I'm selling. Your, your, your audience will appreciate it. Yeah. So my book is available in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Now, here's the deal. It's available wherever books are sold, retailers worldwide, including Amazon. However, if people come to my personal website, fitness.com, that's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. If they order their books on my site, they all come autographed. And there's a little spot for you to say, you know, make this one out to me or make this out to my aunt with breast cancer or brain cancer, et cetera. And then um, I not only package them up with love, but I include a special gift with purchase. And 
The gift is a really fun sticker. Ideally, you'll put it on the back of your phone or somewhere you can see it frequently. But the sticker says, I can do hard things. And, you know, when stuff hit the fan with my treatment, there was a lot of time for me to be afraid. And I was. I was definitely scared of scans and needle pokes and surgeries and so forth. But if I wanted to survive, I had to do the scary things. So I started talking to myself and in my head, I kept reminding myself that I can do hard things. And, you know, I built a big, uh, successful business. That was hard. I raised great kids. That's hard. I used to be a competitive kickboxer. That was a hard thing. And so as I was pushing myself forward with every step of treatment, I kept reminding myself, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. It became a little bit, it became an internal mantra And, you know, eventually I had said it enough that I had survived and I was done with treatment, but I still carry this mantra with me. And I know that your audience in particular, a lot of women, man, they are doing lots of hard things. They're dealing with romantic partners and raising kids sure isn't easy and running your own business and trying to sell things is super hard. And in fact, I think sales can be one of the most scary things on the planet. And so this special gift that says I can do hard things, hopefully will go a long way to remind my readers what they're capable of. Oh, I absolutely love that. Cause sometimes it's just having that mantra. Like, I don't know how many of you have ever watched. Oh gosh. What is that movie? Uh, my family just bought a zoo. I didn't see it. Oh my gosh. You should totally see it. Cause there's one line that happens over and over and over again in that movie. And it has stuck with me ever since. And it's very similar to the, I can do hard things. It's something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here cause I don't have it memorized, but it's all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Nice. 20 seconds. So I can do hard things. 20 seconds of insane courage, because once you get started, all the rest of it is easy. The first step is always the hardest, right? Absolutely. And that can be true in racing. It can be true in your own fitness journey. It can be true in your direct sales business. So Fitz, I want to thank you so much for giving us your time and your your experience with all of this, because, oh my gosh, so many great nuggets. I don't know what I'm going to title this episode. Because I usually, everybody has like at least one great nugget that comes out during their episode. And then that's usually what turns into the title. But you've got like 10, easily 10 great nuggets. So I'm telling listener right now, get ready to go back and listen to this episode again, because I'm telling you each and every time you listen, you're going to pull another nugget that you're like, oh man, I didn't hear that last time. I think this is going to be something that people are going to listen to over and over and over again. So Fitz, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jenny. And thanks to the BDSM crew. Love it. All right, guys, you know how it goes. Stay tuned because there's another badass episode on its way. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.